At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Welcome to Oral Hygiene. This is a podcast where we talk about educational films, experimental caught films, and the more off-kilter of documentaries. Uh, Today's a little bit different than usual. We're not um, looking at a specific film, but we try and always give you a YouTube link to what you can watch. And I find at least 50% of those YouTube links are from the AV Geeks YouTube website, which I've been you know, paying attention to for years. So we got the guy who runs that. Skip Elzheimer is here uh, to do some chatting about that archive and uh, have a look at a couple of his favorite films. So hi, Skip. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming. <laughs> um, so where where did this trip start for you? For me, I guess it started with those um, Preliger, um archive DVDs from about 2001, I think. They had there was sex and drugs, more sex and drugs. Uh, oh, that was my I, stuff. That was actually. I thought that. Yeah, I thought you were involved with that. Yeah. Yeah, Fantoma Films um, put those out, um, and um, actually put out a lunchbox box set. Uh, so I can die happy because I have a lunchbox that has my face on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was see that's why I didn't know I was too impatient. I just bought the DVDs as soon as they came out before they were packaged right. together. <laughs> Um, but before that, I was living with a bunch of dudes, like kind of post-college in a big house, and we were buying uh, old surplus equipment from the state surplus in North Carolina. And we're, we were in Raleigh, and we were in bands, and we were making music and noise and doing dumb things. And um, I started collecting audiovisual equipment, and I got like six pallets of old record players and real real players and old VCRs and big TVs. And, and there was a 16 millimeter projector in there. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. So, uh, we went down to our favorite, um, flea market, uh, and somebody was selling some 16 millimeter film. And so we got one. The first film that we got was about contraception and conception. And it was a silent film. And I was like, Oh, so we don't know if the sound works or not. <laughs> so then we went back and got Uncle Jim's Dairy Farm. And um, the guy that we were buying from was like, well, if you like these, I have an auction coming up if you, know, you want to check it out. And I couldn't make it, but my friends could because I had to work that day. And so I said, well, you know, if you see anything that I would like, you know, buy it for me and I'll pay you back. But I knew full well if I liked it, they would like it. So I was like, well, that's just not going to happen. So I get off work, come home, and I go into the living room where all the guys are hanging out. And I'm like, so what happened? And they kind of point to this corner of the room, and basically there's 500 films sitting there that they got for $50. How much space does that take up? It was a big corner of the, of the room. I mean, it was a big house that we lived in. It was like, I think it was five bedrooms. Uh, no, wait, four bedrooms. Four bedrooms. But we also had like a big kind of like dining room, living room area that was just 
packed with equipment. Like usually it was is sound equipment and stuff, but the, now there were stacks of films there. And that weekend I just brought out the projector and just watched a bunch of films and something, the chemistry in my brain changed where I'm like, these are amazing. And about that time is when schools were beginning to dump these collections and they would show up at these state uh, surplus auctions. And I would get, you know, a thousand films for 50 bucks or, you know, 200 bucks for a hundred films or, you know, it, it would vary and then it would get shelving and then it'd get more projectors. And now I have over 36,000 films. Wow. Of course, having them is one thing. Um, how, how, what's the route to get them out to the masses? Well, that is a crazy thing. Um, I, I can show you, but you know, this is audio, but so next to me is a, a film telecine, uh, which is a way to transfer from a film to video. And, uh, I bought that from Germany, uh, from the manufacturers and it was about $50,000. Um, now I didn't just immediately buy that. <laughs> I like stepped my way up slowly and surely and started doing shows with the films. Uh, originally we were showing them behind bands, but then I was like, you know, these films are so good. I want them to kind of people to hear them. And at first it was all jokey. It was like, well, this is funny. You know, it's hilarious stuff and mystery science theater was still on. And, but I realized that, oh no, these are actually kind of culturally interesting and significant. And so about that same time is when people, I was doing shows and doing little mini tours around the Southeast and people started wanting compilations. So I started uh, buying these little telecines that would allow me to, to bump stuff to VHS. And then I made, um, I did a lot of VHS collections for a while. Then I got approached from uh, Fantoma to put out the, the uh, DVDs and they transferred them. But that allowed me to one, the money that I made from those DVDs, I was able to put down a down payment on a house, a boarding house that had 13 bedrooms. And it also allowed me, because I had a computer job at the time, to buy um, a professional telecine, uh, which was $2,000 on eBay. And then, no, $300 on eBay, $2,000 to ship it, and then $30,000 to get it renovated. And then I used that to start transferring stuff and then uploading it to the internet archive. Yeah. I'm still in the band phase. I just, I just blow it on guitar still. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, as we know, these hobbies, they will take, and at that time it was still a hobby. I wasn't, I still had a real job and day job. And then at some point I was like, you know, I should quit my job and do this full time. Then didn't do so well. <laughs> and then, uh, I, did work for the Internet Archive, where I digitized a bunch of uh, Rick Prelinger, the Prelinger Archive stuff, and uh, I still kind of help him get stuff online. Um, and that was like 5,000 of his films uh, that we I digitized from uh, beta tapes and then made MPEG-2s at the time, and then uploaded them. And then that just kind of, then I uploaded like 600 feature films uh, they're all mostly Westerns and things like that. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of video on the internet archive that I uploaded um, and kind of paid the bills with for a while before I started making more money off of my collection. Right, right. And um, I guess the YouTube site, uh, look, looking back, you started about 10 years ago? Well, you know, so that's my third YouTube site. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because, you know, YouTube was a uh, kind of a wild frontier initially. So I was putting all sorts of stuff up there and yeah, Disney didn't like that. So they kind of <laughs> yanked it down. 
then I tried something else and that got yanked down. And then, so this time I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to keep on films that are in public domain. Like I knew I had the resources to figure out what I had the rights for copyright wise. So that's what I've been mostly doing. Uh, although recently in the last year, I've been doing uh, daily streaming shows where I show films live and talk about them. And that one, there's some copyrighted stuff in there. Mm. But um, yeah, a lot of that stuff is in public domain. And so, yeah, I, I have seen those posts, although uh, being on Tokyo time, you're doing those at my th like three in the morning. So right. <laughs> but uh, as far as just, you know, I just like to trowel through and you know, click on things that seem interesting, which I, I guess right. is the thing you're supposed to do there anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you you have a few of your favorites you want to talk a bit about, do you? Well, so um, I looked at things that you guys had talked about in the past, and you know, there's some good ones in there. Wow, um, you know, safety harm hides at home is so good. Uh, you know, all of them are are really good. Um, but there's some that are underrecognized that I really wanted to talk about and show. And I pretty much try to show them whenever I can. And these are just odd things. Like, I think part of why I do what I do is because it's almost like an archaeologist. Like, I pull a film out of a can and I look at it and I'm like, we watch it. And I'm like, what was the point behind this? Like, sometimes I have no information. It tells me nothing. I'm, I'm, if I'm lucky, it's something's written on the can. But sometimes it's, I have no idea. And so uh, these two films that I sent you, um, tire rigging demo, that was the only thing that was written on the can. And then Ohio Power Company Vet Party 1950 was the other thing that was written on the can, um, on, on another can. And I, that one I got on eBay. Um, the tire rigging demo came from someone who uh, rescued it from a dumpster with a bunch of other films. And then he got sick of them and sent them to me. Um, but they are, it's like an archaeological dig. You like you pull it out and you're like, I don't know what this is. Where does this fit? And then you start asking those questions like, why did they make this? Who was it made for? You know, who would they show it to? You know, why did it end up in a dumpster? <laughs> you know, things mm -hmm. like that are, are kind of uh, thing questions that I like to ask that get my brain kind of percolating. And I like showing them to people and then having them try to figure out like what is what was the point behind that? And so that's what I'm my challenge to you was is to watch both of those and then we can talk about what you think they are okay and one of them i have a pretty good answer but i don't know definitely in either case so these are just educated guesses okay so uh let's start with the tire one because that that actually gets a pretty wild uh synchronistic hit because i'm um, i started and uh, i'm thinking car commercial just for shorthand right but the thing that really got me is I'm like, this music, I didn't know this music. Was this on the, um, there was like the Electro Soul um, compilation from the late 90s was on there and I recognized from there. And then I looked down and I was like, wait a minute, I was listening to Chick Corea's um, uh, Secret Agent album on the train last night, <laughs> <laughs> which has the Golden Dawn track. So <laughs> it's like that. I literally heard this 12 hours ago. <laughs> nice. It's so, I love when that happens, when you, you watch something and then there's, it, it immediately syncs up to some other thing that you experience out in the world. And that's, that's why I like watching these films is they're vibrant. There's, there's a life to them that contributes to other things. It's not like, and, be, and because these weren't necessarily shown in theaters, you, they're shown in everyday life. They were shot in everyday life. So they, they reflect something that's different than going to see a feature film. And, and yeah, a lot said, 
you said you listened to a little bit of the show, and I think I said it a few times, but I don't know if you hit it or not. I just like the uh, lack of pretension in the sort of thing. Like yeah. it is people, you know, trying to do. Like it's not even like they're lacking in talent; they're lacking in a uh, spit and polish. They don't know all the professional tricks, and they're just... right, right. I mean, and there's some that are good. There's some prof like really technically well done educational films, but that wasn't the criteria. And and I think that that's what's great. So if you look at your Sid Davis films, you know Sid Davis, right? Yes. Okay. And you look at Sid Davis was not a filmmaker, but he was driven by a passion to tell young people about dangerous strangers. Yeah, he's a morality passion, play guy. <laughs> yeah, it was that passion that drove him to want to make these films and would ra raise money to make these films that he was so passionate about. Um, I noticed that you showed ha Highways of Agony. That was somebody who was passionate. I think he was a lawyer. He was passionate about uh, basically um, driver safety and had a police radio and he would go originally he took photos of, of car crashes and then did a slideshow in the Ohio uh, highway safety. They were like, this is awesome. Um, and so he started taking a camera and started filming these car crashes and then editing them together with these weird narratives and this, you know, this voiceover. And, you know, that's how highway safety films got started was this guy who was, had a passion. Uh, maybe in a weird obsession too, but you know, he, he had this passion to make this stuff and it wasn't necessarily technically good. He eventually ended up with filmmakers that knew how to do stuff, but um, that's why, you know, there's no pretension there. It's, it's because they're passionate about what they want to do. No, my, you know, uh, my, my Monday co-host, he, you know, he makes horror movies. He gets into chaos syrup and all that stuff but yeah highways of agony pretty much disturbed him pretty hard so he's yeah, like you know that's did i choose true. this <laughs> yeah because that for many people many high school students that's the first time they saw a dead person like footage of a dead person um so that and, would be a high school film uh it was shown in high schools it was it was shown high school up so right. like my dad saw signal 30 when he was in the navy mm -hmm. he remembers that film yeah yeah uh, and you know it was just anybody they were they were just showing it to anybody and my theory was that the so the highway patrol did not actually make those films they did help distribute them they also gave them uh you know a lot of uh basically promotion but it was made by these highway safety film guys there were two of them i think and um i think the highway patrol liked it because it actually showed what they had to deal with gore wise like this will teach people a lesson. If you know, if they see what we have to deal with, maybe they'll think twice about running a, a stop sign or whatever. Like yeah, they were our... trying to punish us for what they had to deal with. <laughs> the that's, art take was you had to get a DUI first to see this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, certainly. Um, I talked with Brett Wood, the guy who did um, uh, Highways to Hell, and and I. I put that theory to him and he's like, you, you know what? I think you're right. I think that those films were the punishment films. And there's drug films that are like that too, that are showing you this kind of over the top, whatever. And the problem with that is that a lot of times that doesn't work because young people just are like, yeah, that's not me. No. And you yeah. show the trippy sequences like, Hey, I want to try that now. I don't care what you're saying. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like you watch some of these films. It's like, wow, they just so showed you how to roll a joint. Yeah. Now you know how to roll a joint because you saw them do it. 
Yeah, that's what we talked about with um, oh, Narcotics Pit of Despair. It's like, hey, I think right. I know how to do heroin now. <laughs> yep. yep, exactly. I mean, I say the same thing, like that film Sudden Birth. I don't know if you've seen that. I feel like I know how to deliver a baby now. I can <laughs> deliver a baby. I don't want to be challenged to do it, but if I had to, I can do it. So we're still learning from them. So that's cool. Yes. <laughs> um, sorry, getting back to the the tire um, tire thing. I, we, we got a little tangent, which is fine. But um, I, what was the purpose? So like I said, I got the hit with the music and I was like, it feels like a car commercial, but they aren't, don't seem to be selling anything. <laughs> right. So how do how did you know that they weren't selling anything? I, no brand names. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. The, the clue, I think, to this is in the title, Tire Rigging Demo. And I think what this was showing off, and this was a promotional film that was selling something, but it wasn't selling tires. It was selling this new equipment that this company had so that they could show to tire manufacturers and say like, hey, we can shoot a commercial using this new equipment this rig that's on the outside of the tire pointing in at the tire as someone's driving it and we can sell your tires. Look how exciting your tires look when we shoot it with this rig. One shot that really did catch, I guess. So maybe that was the, uh, the money shot was just where they, it was kind of behind the tire and you can see the indentation from the, the right. gravity. I was like, okay, I, that's, a, that's a shot. I feel like I don't usually see. So. Right. right. And so that's, I think that that was a promotional film because these films all came from a company that made promotional films. Uh, this dumpster, they dumped a bunch of stuff in a dumpster. Somebody pulled them out. Then I got them and I was like, oh, there's promotional films here. And then I'm like, whoa, what is this tire rigging demo? I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And the music is just over the top. Um, so I love that because that's a weird niche thing. Like the general public is never supposed to see that. Um, and here it is, it's made for this very specific uh, clientele. It's like, hey, you know, you you shoot a commercial with it. I want to show you this cool piece of equipment we have that it will cost a little bit more to use it, but you'll see it's worth it. That's what that film is for. And you guys bring them into the screening room. Now you can do it on your phone. Here, look at yeah. this. But <laughs> <laughs> you have to set up the situation. That's that's kind of the mind blower. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I love that film. It only has two hundred views on on YouTube. I'm like, this is this is such an amazing film. <laughs> well, I've added at least one more view for that. So <laughs> the other is the 1950 film. Sorry, yeah. Ohio Power Company Vet Party. Yeah. Okay. That one definitely was more of an anomaly. Like someone testing their camera at an event because there's long shots of stuff, right? Right. Just people hanging yeah. on the stairs. It's, it's right, silent. So how, far did you get, how far did you get? I know that you you didn't watch it in its entirety. You kind of skipped around a little bit, but right, right. I got your email about ten minutes before you started. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, no problem, no problem. It's morning here. Um, so what I once it was okay. This is silent. I just kind of like did one, right. you know, with the buffer, having a few skips. Just like what is happening here. So just right. getting, kind of so it is. It's what we. It's a home movie. So somebody has set up a a tripod, and it's a home movie, and it's got a slow burn to it. And it's like, what's going on here? Because it basically looks like it's just in a parking lot of a, like a lodge, like a social lodge, right? And so it's just a bunch of beautiful cars from the 50s sitting there. And every once in a while you see some like old, well, they're not old guys, they're probably middle-aged guys, like going in, 
like through up these steps and there's a lot of footage of them going up the steps and so my guess is that this is documenting everybody that's attending this vet party right and that's, and that's what it's for and then we get inside eventually there's increasingly bizarre stage performances that started <laughs> yeah. making me think of you know like like i don't know what what they do at the masonic lodge and don't tell you about right. or something <laughs> yeah it looks like it's either some sort of hazing or some sort of initiation thing or just like oh we're gonna these guys we're honoring them but we're gonna razz them a little bit and um it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier um and that's where the way i watched it might have worked because i was just like what 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 because at first yeah, no like, exactly what's going yeah, on I mean, here if, if you watch it all the way through you'd be like what 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 i don't understand um and then at the end there's a banquet and they're all sitting there eating but um yeah this is so this is like a it's an amateur film it's a home movie and it was probably shot by somebody who had a camera and uh they were like yeah i want to document this this is going to be hilarious and so you know the part i don't understand is why he documented like just a, a parking lot when nobody was in it but maybe he was testing on his camera um but the rest of it is a pretty pretty much straight up uh home movie um there, which i'm a big fan of you know uh th there is a thing i mean there's a little bit to a stereotype in japan of people taking pictures all the time so my daughter has uh this, this is a year and a half ago but uh they're having a music festival and I, I'm in there, it's pretty crowded. And there's nothing happening. There's people holding up their phones. I'm like, are you going to sit around and watch this later? Like, right, you know, right. I would just, I just film when the, when they were actually singing or whatever. Right. But some people just the entire time. So, you know, that mentality, I guess, still exists. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's pervasive now. Um, but I'll tell you, I probably have seen that film more times than whoever shot it. Like far more times, like probably 30 or 40 times I've, I've, watched it and shown it and talked about it. Um, and I do something that's an international international event. Actually, it's, it has a big presence in uh, Japan is home movie day, where people bring their home movies and they talk about the importance of it. And then they watch home movies. Uh, and you know, I think there's like seven events in Japan. Um, and it's in October. So that's something. Uh, and there's other countries that have it is like I said, it's an international event. And um, I have home movie days wherever I am, so um, I have to go trying for that. Actually, um, uh, the 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 Monday coast and I we've been friends for years, and we have videos when we were kids trying to make the five minute movies, which he put on YouTube years ago, and has since lost the account. So now he couldn't take them down even if we wanted to. <laughs> uh, YouTube is is wonderful and horrible for that. Um, I am constantly dealing with erroneous copyright things from YouTube, and um. Yeah, and stuff just disappears. It's like, oop, it's gone. Oh no, no, yeah. these we can't get rid of. They're they're there, whether we oh, like really? it or not. Oh, so he had. Oh, he he lost the account, <laughs> but they're still online. He can't take them down. That's so he'll get a comment. He can't comment to it. But I'm that, like, that's great. That's great. Awesome. Okay, yeah, that's. I guess that's the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, and and of course I've been smart enough to download them for myself just in case uh, something yeah. like that ever does happen. So yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of fun. Um. So we got a, a look at your machine. You you were mentioning sort of uh, other elements of your setup. Yeah, so I can I can I can show you. And I I was looking to see if I had this online so that people could watch it, and I don't think I do. So I might have to upload this to YouTube as soon as okay. We I, I actually can put the video on YouTube as well. I just oh okay yeah. oh that's yeah. great. 
So let the me. Ma- uh, the, yeah. The main deal is the uh, audio one, but the people will be able to see this. So. <laughs> All right. So, here is. Um, this is more than a year ago that I shot this. Um, but so here are. This is the boarding house that I bought, um, and basically painted the walls, put some flooring in, and then immediately put up shelves. And so there are. This is just walking around, you know, I think with my camera at the time, just shooting everything that's on the, sh- the shelves. Um, this is a room that has, you can see that rose painting. Somebody uh, painted that there when it was a boarding house. And they also painted a giant mural of Jimi Hendrix. All right. And they misspelled Jimmy. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> it's a thought so, that counts. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and so these are films uh, that I've acquired um, over the last almost 20 years. Um, and um, what I've been doing is going through and, and digitizing some, scanning some um, for stock footage purposes. Uh, but doing a, since the pandemic started, I've been doing a, a daily show, a lunch show, where I show some stuff I've already recorded, but I also pull films and we watch films live, uh, including stuff I've never seen before because I've maybe seen 6,000 films um, and I got a long way to go. And That's one sixth of your total, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. In August, I got like almost 9,000 films. So, you know, I'm always getting more films. Um, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to have your own stash, you know. I, I buy a lot of music still. We still have Tower yeah. Records in Japan. By recently, I'm, they have been like reducing their stock, and you know now half the store is for five K-pop bands, right? right. <laughs> now I'm just like, well, I got enough here. It's like, you know, it's like this is my Tower Records now. So right, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Go back and revisit. But I guess the thing, you know, Matthew, like, how did I get doing this? Like, I think pretty early on, I realized that it wasn't just collecting the films, it really was showing them and sharing them. That was the big thing. Like, I was like, this is, it's funny, but it's also culturally interesting. And I kind of want other people to have it, like, and see it. Because if if these films, I rescue them from a dumpster or landfill or whatever, and they sit on a shelf, they're not really, they're just sitting on a shelf, like eventually rotting away. So it, for me, it was always important, and to this day, important to share them, to get eyeballs on them, so that people can kind of figure out like what it is, and you know, watch something and say like, "Oh, that's a Chick Corea song," or "Oh, like I'm I'm in this film," or "My father made this film," or uh, "I grew up in that town," or you know, all these different things that kind of pop up when you put things on. On YouTube and and one of the craziest things is I I kind of don't pick I, I sometimes just put stuff up I'm like I don't know what the value of this is but I'm gonna put it online and one of the most popular uh, films that I put online is this footage silent footage of a John Deere tractor going up and down a field for 20 minutes <laughs> maybe it's calming <laughs> Well, so I had no idea, and at, at a point, I was actually monetizing uh, the videos, and I was making money, and I was making like $200 a month off of people just watching that, and they would watch it 
in its entirety, like the metrics for YouTube told me like, oh yeah, people are watching all 20 minutes of this and, and YouTube loves that because they can keep putting the ads up. And so what I figured out is there's a lot of John Deere enthusiasts who love old tractors. And this one I think was in the 60s. And so here it is, raw footage of a John Deere tractor doing what it does. And people loved it. And I'm that like, is creepy. <laughs> that is a weird thing. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, but there you go. And and that happened on my website once too, where I it was a PSA for seatbelts. And there's a shot in the 70s of a woman with long white boots. And she's putting on the brakes. And that was like, that hit some sort of fetish buttons. And so there's all these fetishists that were watching this, um, you know, this this woman putting on the brakes wearing these these long white vinyl boots. Must have had Tarantino coming in on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have a weird question. Um, what does it smell like? <laughs> uh, it smells like vinegar. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I have some ventilation in there and stuff. And I used to live at with the archive with my wife. And at some point, it was like we were running out of space there. And also, uh, we were beginning to stink of vinegar <laughs> and because films break down. And uh, a lot of films have the stock, the clear stock is acetate. And when acetate breaks down, it makes acetic acid, which is vinegar. And that was the the problem. It was this stinking of vinegar. And it wasn't all the films were deteriorating. It was just a couple of bad, what I call vinegar bombs that you open them up and you're just like, whoa, this is far gone. Uh, and I'm slowly going through those right now um, and trying to get rid of them because I, they're not, they can't be scanned uh, because they're too far gone. But yeah, it stinks of vinegar. Um, okay, some, that's not some the films smell question. like uh, Fritos and dirty socks too. Those are, the, those are more disgusting than the vinegar ones that are just like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, vinegar, at least, you know, if you're into fish and chips, maybe you can, uh, right. yeah. I, I'm guessing it's not that appetizing a vinegar though. No, it's not. <laughs> One, because you know where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. But no, um, as far as, you know, wanting to show people the films, I was notorious for actually showing up like parties and stuff with, um, with, with, with your DVDs. Um, nice. So. One of my one of my favorites. Uh, I I I usually put my favorite out as a shake hands with danger, right? So uh, right. and people usually like that one. I haven't done on this podcast yet because I'm like saving it for a special occasion, more or less. But right. uh, when well, I was so one of the things that we're doing right now, we're in the middle of uh, a toe tapping uh, tournament, and this is something I don't know. Do you know the Found Footage Festival guys? I've heard the name. Yeah. Yeah, so they do what I do, but they do videos and they do video clips. And so they did this competition where they were picking their favorite uh, kind of jingles and songs. And they had like a like a almost like a ACC basketball tournament bracket where they had songs competing against each other. And one of them offhandedly said, well, we should take on the AV geeks. And I was like, yeah, all right, bring it because I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> and so that's we started our first uh, game of that uh, on Monday, and today's uh, Tuesday. Uh, it was very successful. But Shake Hands of Danger, of course, is one of the songs that uh, people will be voting on. 
and I had an opportunity at the, uh, to meet the guy who wrote the song, Jim Stringer. And uh, he's based in Austin, Texas. And I did a, a retrospective of his films that he had uh, scored for Centron and at least one of them that he's in. And uh, he kind of told stories in between. And Shake Hands with Danger was super popular with Caterpillar. Like they actually sold cassettes of the song. And we did kind of a karaoke with the complete version of Shake Hands with Danger with all the words. And all it right. was it was a pretty amazing. So Some, yeah. sometimes I think about trying to do record my own version of that. Um, what, what I was going to say with that film, though, people almost always like it, love it. Um, one exception. <laughs> I was I was working. I, I told you before we started recording, I had taught environmental education like South Carolina and it, we're in like a trailer and I, I put in the DVD and most people like and afterwards, one of the fem my female coworkers is like, like my dad's like a foreman. That's horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> Casey just it still, has, it still has people make they make their own version of Shake Hands with Danger and they post it on YouTube. Like I've seen ones that were made within the last two years, and it's uh, like sweeted ones. <laughs> some, uh, like trade school is doing it, and it's a bunch of like you know I don't want to say rednecks, but rural people who uh, are in trade school and they're doing shake hands with danger, like their, their version of it. And it's so good. It, it has such amazing legs. And I think the reason why that film is good, and I hope you do show it at some point um, or talk about it is that it's intentionally funny and it's just good. It's just like they get their audience. That's and still her Carvey, isn't it? Uh, Herc Harvey, he, yeah, he worked with it. And I think he shows up, he has a cameo in it as a, uh, supervisor who's yelling at somebody. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, you know, Centron Films was really good at knowing their audience and like figuring it out. Like, I think better than any other educational film company in the United States by far. Well, yeah, because I always think Lawrence, Kansas, usually when I'm uh, thinking the educational films, people are like, where are these produced? I'm like, uh, Lawrence, Kansas, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, there's some really great stuff there. And, and the thing is that they did these sponsored films for Caterpillar. And I have others that they made. None of them are as good as Shake Hands with Danger. Shake Hands with Danger is just like so good. Um, so well done. It has, you know, fake gore talks about, um, you know, workers coming to work still hungover or drunk. Um, you know, it, it gets their audience. It's got to be a football-related knee injury. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, you, you know it. You know the words. You've, show, you've shown that film so many times. And most people just get it. And they just, they wince at the same place. They laugh at the same place. It's it's a real good film. So, yes. Okay. That's, uh, what What's... I don't know. What's the most fascinating uh, discovery you've made? I, I guess I should say in the past week, <laughs> considering how much you're doing. Oh, filming. yeah. So let, let me think about that. Like, so there's a filmmaker that I really like that traumatized me as a child, and I didn't realize it. Um, there was this film that came out when I was a kid that was called The Late Great Planet Earth. And have you heard of this film? It, that's a book as well? Yeah, it was a book. So okay. Hal Lindsey wrote it, and it's this like doomsday book about Reve the book of Re Revelations. And so somebody made a feature film about it, and it distributed around to theaters. And you know the local 
I grew up in like rural North Carolina and they're like, oh, the local theater's got a free screening. You should see this. And so I think I was like 12 and I went and it was a documentary about how the world was coming to an end. And I freaked out and like ran out of the theater in tears and just freaked out. Um, and they were like, what's going on? And you're like, it's just a documentary. It's not like a scary movie. I'm like, the world is coming to an end. And I had nightmares for months and it was, it was a big problem and, and it bent my psyche. So years later, I found out uh, films that I have were made by the same guy that made uh, Late Great Planet Earth. And so I'm always, go, as I go through my collection and see stuff I've never seen before, I always find his name. I'm like, oh, here's another film that he did. Here's another film that he did. And I, at some point, went and met him in California. Like he was doing a retrospect at a theater in, a, in LA and I went and spent the, the afternoon with him and kind of reconciled like all this damage that I had sustained from his film. Um, I was about to say, were you facing your fear? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, finding his stuff, like I was just doing my lunchtime streaming show and I found another film that he did. It's, and again, all the films he did are really kind of messed up. They're like weird. Like so a lot of them are Christian films, but they really don't, they're kind of messed up. Like he made this film called Stopped, which I think I have online. And it was on, I don't, did you get the religion DVD? Yeah, I think I know the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's about this guy being chased by Jesus, by this scary Dutch Jesus. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it is, and it ends, you're like, I, that's so creepy. I, I don't think anything was, rec was reconciled there. And so I talked to, to this uh, filmmaker, Ralph Forsberg is his name. And I was like, what is going on with that film? And he was like, oh, well, you know, I came up with, with it with this other guy where we sat and got drunk and we kind of figured out the whole script. And I was like, I just <laughs> don't get it. You figured it I out, did you? Out, <clears throat> I found out that he made this film called Parable. He got hired by a bunch of Protestant churches to show it at the World's Fair in 1964. And it basically is this kind of mime clown creature that is not creature person who is following this circus and he's kind of a christ-like figure well it turns out like news about it came out that this film was going to be shown at the world's fair that shows jesus as a clown and he was getting death threats there was a lutheran minister that says he was going to go into the theater with a shotgun and blow the screen apart the 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 head robert moses the the guy who is the main architect and the main guy in charge of the World's Fair is like, well, this is, you know, heresy. And this is horrible. Somebody said they were going to cut the power. I mean, it's a great film. You know, it's a good, it's a parable. Um, but it caused all this insane controversy. And this guy, and I'm just like, this guy, this filmmaker is, you know, he's making these Christian films, but he is totally pushing buttons and getting people riled up and irritated. And, and so... I'm actively still looking for a lot of the films in his, that he made. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun when you do start latching on to names. Oh, these aren't just like weird ephemeral things. There's names right. attached. People put work into these. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Basically, I think if it's on one of your discs, uh, this podcast will be getting to it eventually. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Um, what's up in your future? I know you're still doing the lunchtime ones. 
Yeah, and I'll probably, even after the numbers, the COVID numbers go down, I'll probably continue to do it because it's forcing me to kind of go back through my collection and watch things that I haven't watched uh, or show people things that just really haven't been shown. Um, I mean, traditionally, what I would do is put together these theme shows, kind of sim similar to the themes of the DVDs. But there's a lot of films I have that just don't fit a theme. So I just, I'm like, well, I want to show these. So I... I don't have themes on the shows that I do. I just show stuff. And so it's a it's a wonderful mix of lots of different things. And it's on YouTube. Um, and it's on, um, if you go to avgeeks.com, you can see it. And uh, also it's on my Facebook. Instead of, you're streaming in the middle of my morning, but I, I do the um, digital version of your, your can grab, I think, sometimes just by hitting the scroll and like hitting something and seeing what I get. So, I mean, that's I, part of the fun I, of that site, so. <laughs> Yeah, and the um, and the thing is, like, just those shows that are around an hour long, we've watched fifteen hundred films. That's just in the past year, then, because yeah. you started like last May or something. I started last last March. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've watched a bunch of stuff. So that's a great way to kind of see a wide variety of different things that I have, uh, and some of those haven't been broken out to individual films. So there's stuff, there's nuggets of stuff in there that um, are pretty exciting. Oh, um, I think people listening to this podcast are probably already familiar with you if they're listening to this podcast, but could, could you give yourself the uh, proper plug? The proper plug. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm Skip Alzheimer and I collect films and show them under the name AV Geeks. And um, a lot of my stuff is at avgeeks.com. It's all one word. And uh, yeah, I like watching. I like collecting films and showing them. I mean, that's the key is to show them to people so that folks like you can do podcasts and kind of think about what you just saw and sit there and scratch your heads and try to <laughs> process the, what you just put your eyeballs through. Yeah. You know, that never really occurred to me because, again, I also do the science fiction films. That's You know what you just saw when you watch a feature film, right? But, right. Um, yeah, part of the charm here is what did we just watch? So. Right. right. And that's what I like about your podcast is that you guys are kind of trying to figure it out. You're trying to process like, okay, so I think that this was shown too. And I think this, and so I, you know, that's fun. And that, you know, that's why I do what I do. And, um, and so it's great that you are, are doing it as well. And I, I'm, I try to put stuff online so people can watch it and show it to other people and, you know, kind of give these films new life. Right. So kudos to you. Okay, thank you. And of course, if you would like to get into it on a specific film or, or just like, you know, uh, another surprise film sometime, you're very welcome to come back and do that. <laughs> right, right. You know, if you want to do, um, I don't know. Yeah, you know, look at look at the films. And if you have ones that you're just like, I don't know what the story behind this is, then I probably know the story or at least can come up with a pretty good facsimile of what the story could have been. Very cool. <laughs> As for this podcast, it's... Uh, oral hygiene pod at twitter facebook and wherever you hear your podcast the sci-fi one i keep mentioning too is matt and luke sci-fi sanctuary at mlsfs pod did i say ad again i don't know facebook twitter it's yeah i <laughs> see, i can't plug I, my brain doesn't work to like make words properly so <laughs> makes the plugging more fun on my end uh, my co-host on the other show he's got like a 17 second like everything it's great <laughs> <laughs> But uh, 
Yeah, as for our listeners out there, uh, especially if you are on Eastern Standard Time, when it's lunchtime, you, you've got a place to go and check out a live stream of who knows what. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.